Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Just in terms of possessions and money. Right. And to help people take ownership for the wealth that they do have and to use it in healthy ways to benefit themselves and and the neighborhood. So there's somebody else popping in. So anyway, thank you for that. I still remember it. Yes, thank you for uh, some good memories. It's good memories (laughs) up there. Well, I'll let you go ahead and if you want to introduce yourself and, and just lead us, but is it all right if I pray for you before we get started? Yes, let's let's pray. All right, pray. Let's Father, pray. thank you so much for your presence that is with us. We come to you asking for wisdom, expressing our, our humble dependence on you. We thank you that you give us ears to hear and we pray that we would have those tonight. Thank you for Philip. Pray God that you would use him to help us to better understand and to love you and love our neighbor tonight. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hey, thank y'all for uh, having me and being able to uh, just share my heart on just uh, when I spoke with uh, Rusty over Facebook, just some of the things that are going on and uh, hopefully to encourage uh, everybody at Matthew's table and uh, just to continue to uh, love God, obviously, with everything that we are and love one another and that that would spill out to the people that you see and work with and live with and serve on a daily basis. Um, I'm in Conway, Arkansas, and me and my family moved here 13 years ago, and we started a nonprofit uh, out of a church plant that we had done in a trailer park, Um, and we primarily serve uh, individuals and families in low-income areas and address issues of poverty and race, specifically through education, uh, housing, and community development. So we have an after-school program and a home for men. Uh, Right now, we're in the process of building uh, 10 small homes for homeless uh, individuals and families and low-income and vets. And then we do some community development programs across the state. Uh, we opened up uh, three additional support locations in Arkansas. Um, but ultimately, uh, we are focused on provoking hope in every individual and family uh, for the glory of God. Uh, that's, our, that's our mission. That's what we seek to do. And all of that comes from uh, our understanding that we've been all made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, when we read Genesis chapter 1, and God having that great conversation between himself and the Son and the Holy Spirit of them saying, let us make man in our image and likeness. And they made all of us, all of us, uh, wonderful human beings. Uh, and it's one thing that we have shared together, living here in Conway and living uh, where you live up in Tennessee, is that we've been all made in the image and likeness of God, that Regardless of our economic situation, 
social standing, our occupations, whether we work outside the house or work inside the home, uh, what ties us together is that we've been all made in the image and likeness of God, and that ties us together. And what ties us together even more powerfully is that uh, we've been redeemed by Christ and sealed by his Holy Spirit. And so that's like the icing on the cake uh, of all things. But uh, at the fundamental level, uh, for those who believe and do not believe in Christ Jesus, all of us have been made in the image and likeness of God. Um, but we also read in Genesis chapter three about the fall. And one of the aspects of the fall, one of the outcomes of the fall is this whole issue uh, about racism and uh, some of the things that's been experienced uh, in different areas of our country uh, over the last few weeks. Um, and it it creates pain on every side. Uh, it, it has an opportunity to find fault in people. It has an opportunity to take advantage of shame and guilt and anger and, and grief. And the beautiful thing is this, is that if, if we can remember as the people of God uh, to remember that we've been made in God's image and likeness, and then more importantly, that we've been redeemed by Christ himself and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we have within us uh, a treasure that we can offer to men, women, and children where we are at and whom we're living with and working with and seeing on a daily basis and doing life with to uh, move them past this, these, this barriers that we face in terms of racism uh, to experience reconciliation. And that's one of the beauties of the cross is that in Christ's death and his resurrection is obviously we've been reconciled with God so that we're face to face with him and we shine bright, as it says in Second Corinthians. Uh, but then also that we have a reconciliation where we face one another. So uh, black and white, Latino and black, Latino and white, Asian and black, whomever these different these different ethnicities whom we worship with and serve with and work with and do life with wherever we live. There's that opportunity there for us to be reconciled with one another because we have been reconciled with God. Um, and uh, what does it mean to be a good neighbor then? So we think about a guy coming and sought to challenge Jesus about, you know, what it is. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus proceeds uh, to tell a story in which he puts, uh, I call him the smart guy, in the story and that he was traveling down what would be one of the more dangerous, ro dangerous roads in Jerusalem down the Jericho Road and he fell among thieves uh, and they took his stuff and they left him for dead uh, and the religious people came by, a Levite came by, a priest passed on by the other side as they continued to head to Jerusalem. But the hero of the story uh, in the immediate story was this Samaritan. And this Samaritan uh, and a Jew would be at odds with one another ethnically because of religious history, cultural history, um, some theological issues. They were put at odds with one another. And it was a scandalous thing for Jesus to put as the hero of the story, this Samaritan. And so the Samaritan came along. He was on his horse and he got off of his horse. He put him his own self at risk uh, to care for uh, this 
injured Jewish person who had been robbed and left for dead, who had in fact been passed over by those who looked like him, him and worshipped as he did and had the same cultural patterns as he did. And this other individual, the Samaritan, did all he could, put the injured man on his horse, took him to the to the inn and, and paid for whatever was necessary so that he could be made whole. And ultimately, Jesus puts the question back to uh, the man and he says, well, who among them showed mercy? And he was forced to say uh, the Samaritan, basically. What does that have to do with uh, our current situation uh, that is going on today? At some point, either you will be the man injured on the road or I could be the man injured on the road. All right. Uh, you as a uh, white brother and sister in Christ could be the injured person on the road. And I could be the person who is on the horse. And when I come by, I have these resources available to me, this privilege available to me, if you will, to be able to aid in your restoration and in, in fact, in your uh, reconciliation with me. And that when I see you in some type of anger, some type of grief, uh, some type of suffering, that I should take a moment and pause on my daily walk in life to take a moment to see, are you okay? How can I use what I have um, that God has placed in me to aid in your restoration? The converse is also true. Uh, and it's some of the questions we've got going on today. I, as the black man, could be the one who has injured it on the road. And uh, to my white brothers and sisters, you could be the one that is on the horse. And when you come by, the question becomes, what is greater, my restoration or this conflict that has occurred between our different ethnic groups from time to time? And my encouragement to you is to remember that all of us have the opportunity to uh, model the behavior of the Good Samaritan. But more than that, uh, because Christ is the ultimate Good Samaritan um, and because he lives in us, uh, we have uh, the opportunity, we have the capacity to be able to be Christ to men and women who do not look like us. And that's what uh, the world is looking for, that even though we have these distinctions, uh, what ties us together is that we've been made in God's image and likeness. What ties us together as brothers and sisters in Christ is his redemption in us. And what ties us together in Christ and in God ultimately is the Holy Spirit who has sealed us for the day of redemption. And now the question is, how do we go forward and and use that? And so I just want to uh, remind uh, everybody of just these few things. One, to remember uh, that none of us are objects. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have desires. Um, we have pain. We have grief. We have sadness. We have questions. And so we should approach one another in such a way that we understand you are a human being. Uh, there's a, a theologian, old guy, his name is, uh, was Martin Buber, and he talks about 
uh, this idea of the I-thou, that instead of us looking at each other as an I-it type relationship where I could use any of you to achieve some mean, uh, some purpose in which I benefit and then I just cast you aside, um, I approach you as someone who is a subject, an individual, a human being, a, a person, and that I take the opportunity to hear what it is that is going on in your life, to understand your perspective in life. But then also the situation is reversed where I get to hear from you and what you're going through, your hopes and your dreams and your pains. And so what does that mean? Even in, in terms of racial reconciliation, what does it look like for your missional communities to be present with people? And for you each individually within your missional communities, what does it mean for you to be present with somebody who is the other, who does not look like you, who is of a different ethnic group than you? And what would it look like when you approach them as a person to sit in their space, to be able to hear what it is they're going through, what their experiences are, and be able to learn from them? And in that moment of being present and in that moment of listening, uh, in that moment of recognizing that there are men and women made in the image and likeness of God, and even more so if they're Christians, uh, what does it mean then for you to walk together uh, in in reconciliation to ultimately improve the situation of, of one another, the lives of one another, uh, but then also demonstrate the, the beauty and the glory uh, of God? Uh, the second thing is this. All of us have the capacity uh, to love. And even more so because the love of God has been shown in our hearts. And because the love of God has been shown in our hearts, we have we have this great capacity to act in such a way that it comes from love instead of guilt or shame. All right. Uh, currently, right now, there's a lot of guilt and shame going about as to a person should be doing this or you're not doing enough or you could be doing this. And that can force people uh, to act in such a way or to speak in such a way where they're speaking from guilt or they're speaking from shame instead of coming from a position of love. And so since we know from Romans chapter eight, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All right. So we also we know and understand that we should not be uh, acting and, and listening and pursuing one another or a neighbor uh, out of shame or guilt or condemnation. But what does it look like when we proceed from love, love that covers a multitude of sins, love that leads you like the Good Samaritan uh, to put yourself in harm's way, if you will, uh, and to use whatever resource that you have uh, in order to support somebody else uh, who is hurting, who is angry, who is in some type of grief, who has a host of questions. And then uh, finally, uh, I would encourage everybody here to remember two things, what ties us together and what makes us different. Again, what ties us together as uh, human beings uh, is that we've been made in God's image and likeness. And then as Christians, what ties us together is our redemption in Christ and the Holy Spirit. 
But then also, we have to celebrate our differences. All right? It's okay. And, and I've told people this. It is okay, and you're beautiful if you're white. You're beautiful. God made you, right? God, like, made you to be who you are. So, fellas, when you look in the mirror, you say, I'm handsome because God made me this way. Ladies, my white sisters, when you look in the mirror, you say, I'm fierce because God made me this way. My sisters, when you look in the mirror, you're fierce, you're beautiful, you're awesome. God made us this way. He did not make us to be the same in everything. He has made these distinctions not so that we could condemn one another. He did not give us these distinctions so that we could harm one another or oppress one another. He gave us these distinctions so that we could revel in his majesty, his creativity, his glory, and his beauty. Like all of that is reflected in us, even in our uh, skin color. So uh, find joy in what unites us together, namely that we've been made in God's image and likeness and that if we're Christians, uh, we've been redeemed by God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but then also find joy in how he has dis- made us distinct and unique in our various ways and how we look, how we speak, uh, you know, all of our different personality types. Um, so that's my encouragement to everybody, uh, Rusty. I really, uh, right now I'm in a place where, uh, I'm, I'm just discerning that a lot of people need a lot of encouragement, um, and trying to navigate some of these difficulties that are going on, uh, right now. And, you know, I firmly believe it's got to, it's got to emanate from the church first. Uh, and we have to provide the example of what it looks like to hold in tension, how we are uh, tied together because we've been made in God's image and likeness, but also find ways to elevate and celebrate our differences uh, for the for the glory of God, not uh, as a means to hold others down or to stereotype people or to guilt or shame people. Um, so yes, blessings to y'all. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was great. Do you, do you mind a few minutes if people have any responses or yes. questions? Yes. Comments? Yes. Anyone, anything stand out to you, you want to underline or something you want to ask about? <laughs> I love questions. Yes. How's he doing that in his neighborhood or in his nonprofit right now? What's that look like? Yeah, so um, we we do several things. We try to uh, get people together in what we call community meetings, and we take several approaches. Um, we will bring multiple ethnic groups together to talk about hard things uh, that are going on and to really pursue understanding. And so that requires a little bit of education and gathering uh, some information. It requires uh, letting people know that when you come in this space, um, that what you are about to say, um, we want you to share 
what's on your heart and what's on your mind and whatever questions uh, with the understanding, as long as it doesn't dehumanize or, de or depersonalize somebody. But we want you to, to talk about those hard things because expressing those hard things, you can be able to get some of the answers that you're looking for. And then sometimes what we do is we just bring in one ethnic group. So this past uh, two weeks, what we've done is uh, on one night, we just brought in all black males. And then on another night, we brought in black females. And on another night, we brought in white males. And on another night, we brought in white females. Uh, because uh, one of the things we found is even when you're in mixed groups, people measure their words still. And they still don't want to be perceived as uh, taking a, giving an offense to somebody. Uh, but what I found was in this last week and a half when we've done it, uh, there's been greater transparency. Um, some of the questions that were asked and statements that were said, I don't think those statements or questions would have been uh, asked or uh, said or asked if it was in mixed company. But that offered the opportunity to dig a little deeper into what was going on with people and uh, for them to find a way to move forward. And then ultimately the best that it gets people off. And, and I know the whole, you know, Corona sting and it's all that's been happening right now, but it gets people off of social media. And when you're face to face with somebody and you've got to interact and talk with them, the dynamic of the, the communication changes because you realize, yeah, I am talking to a human being and I can't talk to him or her. Like I would probably talk to somebody on social media uh, talking all crazy and stuff, but, uh, so that, that, that's, that's how we approach it in discussions, but then also in just like working together, very intentional about bringing together people, different ethnic groups, and then different economic groups together, uh, to be able to negotiate and understand and learn from one another. Because even in, a particular ethnic group, even classes look at life differently. You know, so a person who is more uh, affluent is going to look at life differently than, say, someone who's coming from uh, what would be a more impoverished setting. And so that expands people's uh, understanding as well. You know, we're complex people and uh, this stuff does not happen overnight. And that's my other encouragement to everybody is um, these things do not happen overnight. You know, for a lot of people, they're unlearning things that they've grown up learning and seeing for like 20 and 30 years. You can't have the expectation of somebody unlearning or speaking a different way just like that. And so that's where uh, grace and a lot of mercy and a lot more grace and endurance and long suffering, you know, those fruits of the spirit, right? Um uh, with people? Good question. Here's a question from uh, Jason on there. Uh, okay. said, what is the primary or most common thing that is an obstacle that comes up in groups like that? So I guess when you're having those kind of focus group meetings, what are there any common themes, obstacles people are bringing up? Uh, the lack of... Uh, understanding historical significance is one, um, and that's on both sides. Uh, two is uh, people are 
more isolated in their particular groups than they realize. And so because of that, uh, their understanding of another group is, is, is very limited. Um, so what I mean is, um, it, it's pretty natural that you want to be with people that you have commonalities with. There, there is a measure of safety and security when I'm with somebody who shares similar beliefs. I mean, look, church, there's safety here, right? Y'all got similar beliefs, right? There's a, there's a commonality there that brings you together. So there's safety like here. Um, whereas somebody who's like a first time visitor, they're probably like, okay, what's going on here? Like, you know, cause they're trying to figure it out. Right. And so that's natural, but that same thing happens with ethnic groups. So if you're spending all your time with white people, or you're spending all your time with black people or Latino people or Asian people, and you're not spending your time with people other than that, when you get into trying to understand who they are and where they're coming from, you are kind of like behind the curve and it's going to take you a minute. And so uh, those things are mentioned, um, you know, here in the South, you know, a lot of times you got to address the whole uh, Confederacy and culture and heritage, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's kind of, that's, that's some waters to wade right there, uh, that you got to address. Um, but if, when you set the, when you set the conditions right and you let people know that, um, people here, regardless of your, how you view life, you're going to be affirmed. Um, your dignity is going to be protected. Uh, that kind of levels the playing field and allows people to be like, okay, I'm going to talk and, and, and be able to help people through those difficult conversations. Um, yeah. So that's, hope that answered that question. Yeah, that's good. I, I've got one mm-hmm. I hate to take away from everybody else, but so you mentioned social media and, Obviously, like you, you smiled or laughed or something about how people go after it. I've noticed from following you, you're a equal opportunity uh, offender, I guess you could say. Yeah. One of, what I mean by that is I really respected the fact that you, and, and again, trying to be faithful to what you think loving God and loving neighbor yeah. means, but that quite often doesn't allow you to be forced into anybody else's narrative right into and i wondered if you might could speak to that how what are some of those issues or things where you've been pressed or maybe uh how's it been hard for you to mm. live in that space mm. yeah so do the same yeah rusty so it's i'm actually glad you asked that question when i walked uh into my house i was like i'm tired right and the reason i'm tired is uh well i'll be a little transparent to everybody here uh is it's it's hard to try to hear everybody um and understand different sides um because um in the back of my mind i i do have like oh my gosh i cannot believe you believe that right um, <laughs> right. But I, 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 
what I do is I push that my opinion to the back so that I can learn and I can understand where that person is coming from. I, I really want to be sympathetic to uh, what people believe and think because some reason they hold that dear or they would not have that position. Okay. So I want to be able to honor on a, a fundamental level while I may dis- be in a disagreement with them. I want to honor um, their courage to be able to express that um, and hopefully be able to take a little bit pushback um, regarding that. So, you know, whether it's, you know, on a whole lot of things I found, especially over the last 10 years, um, you know, if you're looking at the church, there'll be some things in a more progressive church. I'd be like, yeah, right. And there's things in a more will be considered more a conservative church. I'd be like, yeah. And then the progressive church guy would be like, Philip, I can't believe you believe that. Right. And the conservative guy would be like, I can't believe you believe that. Right. But, you know, what I found was, uh, uh, looking at Jesus' life and ministry, it always seems he was moving in and out of things, you know, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, Herod, Rome, like people can like pin him down. Like, Hey, you keep talking about, you know, the father and, uh, this resurrection thing. And why don't you answer these questions directly? And he was like, Hey, right. This is, this is how I'm answering that question. Um, the other thing is, I think if you want to be able to draw people, uh, and this is just my calling, um, just to see the power and beauty of God, is I want to be able to persuade people and be able to listen to them and let and give them some notion of, you know what, he was friendly and he he gave me the opportunity to express what it is I had to say and didn't try to shut me down, you know? Um, now I'll, I'll be honest, Rusty, there are some things, uh, that happen where I'll inbox somebody and I'll be like, Hey, I need to take this offline with you because this is about to go a little sideways and we need to have like a <laughs> coffee discussion. And so, um, so then I, I want to honor that person that way and then really seek to understand, uh, what it is that they believe, um, with the understanding, uh, they may not change their mind, but I know I'm better for it because I learn and I've heard from them, but I've also given them evidence. Uh, hey, there's somebody out there that's willing to listen to what it is I got to say, even though, you know, I don't agree with them. And that's fine. Um, cause at the end of the day, I want you to, I want you to love Jesus. That's what I want you to do. Right. And I'm I'm thinking my approach from my ministry makes Jesus look attractive, you know? And so that's, that, that's my calling. And I mean, Philip would rather just come out guns blazing and, you know, it's this. And if you don't believe this, you're like, but that was Philip like 20 years ago, you know, that's not Philip anymore. God has, has humbled me a lot and, uh, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. 
This might be kind of like an open-ended question, and maybe kind of intertwined with the other questions already been asked. But what have you learned, like for yourself, in these last few weeks? Um, I guess I'm just interested to know, like what maybe like what the Lord's taught you, or like through the experiences, mm-hmm. or just altogether. Yeah. Question, but I, I, I feel, um, I'll be quite transparent. I think white people as as ethnicity are getting a raw deal. Um, I think, uh, because, and this is our tendency as human beings, um, because of the actions of a few. Um, everybody gets like lumped into this, this category, right? And if you don't, you know, do these things, say these things or act this way, then you're suspicious or you have not recognized what everybody knows, like, cause you're white, you're racist. And I'm like, are y'all serious? And the reason I respond, like when someone makes a comment like that is because that is what was done to black men and women for so many generations here in America that um, that because of our skin color, there was something wrong with us. And now it's been flipped and now it's being done to white people because of your skin color. There's something wrong with you. It's almost like a um, it's almost like you're carrying the original sin. And um, in order to. Um, to obtain justification, uh, then you've got to say these things in this type of way in order to receive forgiveness, right? And then you got to keep doing these things to be sanctified. It's like a religious almost experience almost. So um, I, I, uh, I'm try- I try to speak out against that. That's why I talked about the whole guilt and shame. Um, that I want to see people act out of love, not out of guilt and shame. Um, the other thing is, you know, we still got work to do in some areas, uh, you know, in regards to law enforcement. Um, I think some things could be different. And I think, you know, as American citizens, is our opportunity, obviously, to speak into that. Uh, but ultimately, not just so it impacts uh, the black community, but everybody as a whole, because we all live here. Um, and then the other thing is, again, uh, this is an opportunity for Christians um, to present how awesome God is and how he brings a multitude of different people together to make much of his name um, so that we are built on that one foundation with Jesus Christ being the the chief cornerstone. So those are probably the the main things that I've been thinking through. Uh, And then trying to help navigate people uh, through that, like you good brothers and sisters today. I appreciate that question. Another question from Jason's group. Okay. uh, This is similar to that one. And you may have answered it a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to be chewing on that whole religious system for a while. Do this to be justified and keep doing these things to stay sanctified. Yeah. But, uh, this question is, what is one thing from your experience that you would like us as a predominantly 
white church, white brothers and sisters to know? Uh, three things, I think. One, be present. Uh, I've, I've kind of looked at this like as when uh, a loved one goes to the hospital or you've experienced a loss in the family, um, typically the first thing you just want to do is be present uh, with somebody uh, when they're going through a difficult time. Uh, then from there, find the opportunity uh, to get into a, a, a listening posture. Ask a question, how are you doing? Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're talking to a, a black male or female or another ethnic group, um, ask them just how are they doing and sit and listen um, and and thank them for the opportunity to uh, participate and listen to what's going on. And then from there, I think that's when you find uh, the opportunities in your context to figure out how is it that we as a body of believers can respond. OK, and that may mean um you know, partnering with another local church that's predominantly black or predominantly Latino or whatever the ethnic representation is uh, of your area. Uh, the other thing is uh, taking time just simply to reflect on uh, your individual lives and your homes and those relationships that you already have existing with someone uh, who's of a different ethnic group. Um, I've told people recently, and this segues back to the young girl's question, is um, cultivate the relationships you already have. Don't try to run out and like go find somebody like, hey, I'm about to adopt you, my brown friend. And, you know, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, like cultivate the relationships you already have. So whether that's at work, you know, in your church setting, you know, if you got kids and y'all, well, some type of recreational activity when that comes about, if you got neighbors on your street, just cultivate those existing relationships because you've already got it. So that that initial hump you've already got over of introducing yourself and, you know, all that awkwardness that happens when you first meet somebody, uh, just build on that relationship that you've already have. And that can go a long way. That can go a long way. Who else? Question, comment here. Maybe an encouragement for Philip. All the above. I stepped out here just a moment ago, so I don't know if uh, someone already asked, um, what do you recommend that we, like, Practice this. Like, how do you practice this? Did you already? Someone already asked that. It was similar to that last one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, be, yeah. Be present. Uh, cultivate the existing relationships you've got already, uh, and then individually, and then as a group, find ways in which you can respond. Um, whether that's um, you know as a church body worshiping with another. Uh, body of believers who's of a different ethnic group um, or doing some type of activity together to cultivate those relationships. Um, I tell people, you know, I think we make we make this a little harder than it needs to be 
because it's all relate it's all interpersonal relationships and so even if you look at your relationships as matthew's table i mean it these relationships take time right and uh initially you know people are going to enter into the relationship but they ain't about to spill their whole beans to you all you know i've gone through you know your membership class and all that kind of stuff now i'm about to just be all transparent right i mean I don't think people do that, but uh, it takes time to grow into that. Right. And it takes time for people to be like, okay, I've built up enough trust. I'll share some more. I've built up enough trust. I'll share some more. Um, And these interpersonal relationships in regards to different ethnic groups, it's the same thing. It is. Uh, And, but we have to be in it for the long haul. And when people know that you're in it with them for the long haul, those those bonds are strengthened. And you understand and know that if stuff hits the fan, I know who I can depend on. Yeah. Here's a question yep. uh, from uh, the other group, a school teacher. Mm-hmm. She, she asked, as a public school teacher, I want to be prepared to facilitate understanding and tough conversations between young people. Any tips from your experience? What it, what grade do, does a school teacher teach? She is a high school art teacher. High school, woo, righteous. I think <laughs> what I think would be awesome. So, art teacher. So you have the perfect opportunity to talk about what's going on, and then have your students take what is talked about and actually put that on whatever canvas, drawing, computer graphics, whatever, and then have them display that and then talk about the meaning and reasons behind that artwork that's being uh, displayed. I think that that can put out so much beauty and have some young people be able to negotiate if they've got some type of pain that they're working with, you know? Same thing for if it was a English teacher. That's an opportunity uh, to read uh, different texts from different uh, authors and be able to uh, investigate and communicate through writing what uh, those writers were talking about. I mean, we get into the sciences and you know things like that. It's a little bit more. Uh, well, no, actually, no. With sciences, you could reach back into. Uh, the history and those who develop different uh, scientific theories who are other than white, you know, uh, and put those individuals out there as well. Um, you know, obviously, you know, whatever your your school district allows as far as curriculum. But I think that's some way you could recommend to, you know, administrative staff and, and school district. Hey, in light of this. I think we should focus a little bit more on this while not ignoring the other requirements that you've got to uh, achieve as a teacher. So I hope I'm trying to contextualize your education with, you know, the situation that's going on. But if you're an art teacher, I think that would be amazing sauce, you know, to have them put on display, uh, just things they've experienced. I mean, 2020 has given you us a lot. So uh, <laughs> pick your poison. Yeah. yeah. 
Ralph. I'm Ralph. Yes, sir. Um, I run a boxing gym in, in downtown Cleveland, right? Okay. And my wife and I have been talking about gathering the teenagers or the adolescents together, mm-hmm. meeting up with them. I have diverse, uh, I have a lot of diversity in my gym. Yeah. Um, so um, boxing gyms usually bring that. Yeah. Cops, lawyers, rich yeah. people, poor people, doesn't matter. Yeah. Only like the person in the face. Yeah. Um, what kind of, I'm a, I want to bring, I want to talk about stuff, but I, I'm afraid on how to bring it up or what topics to talk about or, or when to, when to stop it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. obviously debates can, can spark up quick. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what, what are some ideas you can give us, my wife and I to approach that? Hope I didn't ask a lot. No, you didn't. I don't say it. I think, uh, the issue can become a great motivator to the training. All right. Um, so as a, a a person that trains athletes, okay, um, that's your opportunity to talk about a specific issue or topic that is difficult for people to talk about and, and use that uh, because it's going to build up in somebody or, or, or some people some aggression. But then that's your teaching opportunity uh, for you to say, okay, with this, with this that you are feeling, whether it's sadness or anger, um, this type of aggression, uh, what we can do with that is be able to demonstrate it or deal with it in appropriate ways. All right. We can look back in, in this specific case, what's happened in the last three weeks and see how people have taken whatever their emotions are and have done dealt with it in inappropriate ways. You as a boxing trainer, um, you can set up the situation, talk about that and then say, Okay, as a good steward of our bodies that God has made, all right, and being a good steward of our emotions, this boxing gym and these exercises we're about to go through, whether you're working the bag or the speed bag or or, or foot movement, jump rope or anything like that, this is how now we're going to take these emotions that you're feeling and we're going to put it in one of these exercises, all right? And then at the close of that, kind of close it up again and, and, and bring it home. Um, and so uh, effectively what you are doing is you're addressing their physical health, but then also um, you're, you're serving them by addressing their mental and emotional health as well and giving them tools um, that'll be, especially for the adolescents, where you can demonstrate to them appropriate ways to deal with things that are bothering them instead of you know, violence in the streets, uh, you know, committing you know, some type of activity that may be considered criminal, but that that would could get them in the uh, in the in the judicial system. And so that would be my encouragement to you and your wife. Find ways to tie the issue as a motivator um, to the actual training, but also this training is just one way of how to appropriately deal with the emotions, you know, obviously prayer, you know, physical training, those type of things. And in fact, even talking with 
a partner because I believe it's some, you know, somebody's got to hold the bag or somebody's got somebody's got to hold the gloves. Right. So you are dealing with your emotional situation, not alone, but also with somebody else. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Are you going to copyright that issue? I mean, that, that, that idea? No, that's all yours, bro. <laughs> that's, all, that's all yours. You better slap your name on it, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I like giving stuff away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The question is, how can we be a church that welcomes a diverse group of people well? Okay. And I'll add my tagline I added in, in a way that's not goofy, but gotcha. yet in a way that is contextual. Gotcha. Can I ask one kind of like uh, organizational question? So, yeah, you so before Corona happened, do, do y'all have a facility you meet at? We meet in an old elementary school. Okay. All right. Okay. So I would, the facility will, I think, can dictate how you receive somebody, right? Um, when we're at our homes, we receive somebody a whole lot differently than them coming into a, a neutral building. Okay. Um, when, when I receive somebody in my home, you know, I'm immediately shaking their hand. You know, I may put a hand on their shoulders. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Take a seat. You know, and it's like, hey, do you want something to drink? I'm trying. My hospitality is hospitality is like kind of like on overdrive because they're in my home. I want them to feel as much a part of my home as if my own family members were there. Okay. When we walk into a, a neutral facility, there's kind of like this. It's not business, but it's kind of is kind of thing. So what would it look like if we were just as hospitable and eager in our church facility as we are at our home? OK, um, then from there. As far as welcoming different groups of people, this is where we get into culture, uh, style, and those kind of things, right? And uh, sometimes, you know, a church you can only do so much, right? Um, I mean, I've been in I've been in worship settings before where you know they try to pull off rap and hip hop, and I just be like, oh man, that was. <laughs> Or, you know, someone's trying to pull off a... I've been in black churches. They try to pull off a Chris Tomlin song. And I just be like, yeah, that didn't... You know, that song wasn't written to be sung like that. You know, and... I mean, it goes both ways. It, it really does. Um, um, and I see a lot of that because of, of what I do and be able to be, be in different church settings. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're like, dang, they rock that. And other times you're like... Wow, it's okay. You know, God didn't God didn't bless you that way. It's okay, right? Um, so on one end, you just got to be who you are, right? Uh, what matters is how do, how are you treating me as a person, 
um, then everything else can take care of itself. Because, you know, if you welcome someone, uh, you know, who's got some different type of musical skill or speaking ability, uh, you know, obviously over time through discipleship and things like that, um, they participate in the life of the church. Uh, there's your opportunity there to put on more display of the, 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 the diversity that God has created. So my encouragement to everybody is welcome me into your home and welcome me into your church building, your facility, elementary school, the exact same way as if you ain't seen me in like five years. Right. And like, like, like I'm just part of the family. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I think we we kind of make a switch when we leave our house and go to a, a facility in which we have our worship gatherings. Uh, but if we just maintain that hospitality uh, and receptivity for anybody as if they were coming into our home for dinner or breakfast or just to come kick it, play games, I think that would go a long way. Yeah. Thanks, Philip. One yeah. last question. I know our time is up. Is uh, we have some here, or several, who are readers, and I know we had we've had somebody else speak to us and mention a book. But it seems like you may have had, and the, some of the books you've maybe recommended are, are maybe ones that aren't on the everybody's list. Do you have a, a few that you might throw out here to say, I, in terms of these issues, I think these would be some good ones to read that others might not. Yes. You might miss if you're just on everybody's copy and paste list. Yeah, I am. I am hammering out my list right now. Okay. Beautiful book. Howard Thurman, Jesus and the Disinherited. All right. Uh, he was a pastor, uh, All Souls Church in uh, San Francisco. Uh, did some work with Martin Luther King. This is a beautiful book. Uh, Jesus and Disinherited. It's not that long. Uh, easy read, but great encouragement. Uh, another book is... Uh, the Autobiography of Frederick Douglass. Uh, another book is called uh, Souls of Black Folks by W.E.B. Du Bois. <laughs> I'd like to read uh, Counter Arguments. All right. So W.E.B. Du Bois's contemporary who provided a different argument was uh, Booker T. Washington. And this is his book called Up From Slavery. Uh, Booker T. Washington, he started uh, Tuskegee University. Um, and W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, he uh, was one of the original founders of the NAACP. But they provide different perspectives on uh, what would be uh, how black Americans could navigate being black in America, basically. And... 
so with different perspectives. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s last book is called Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, Chaos or Community is the subtitle. Um, so I, I kind of like old books, not the, you know, new stuff. New stuff is fine. Uh, but I like the old stuff. Um, so I'd encourage those books um, as part of your reading pleasure. And obviously the Bible all day. Boys might not be free on Audible right now. Yes, probably is. Yes. Well, Philip, any uh, thank you for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Do you have any parting words, parting encouragements, warnings, admonitions? Uh, the encouragement is just seek to love people. Be kind and generous to people. Uh, that goes a long way. And people remember, especially right now, the kindness and generosity of people. That's that's real countercultural right now, to be kind and generous to people. Um, that can go a long way. And being kind and generous to somebody uh, who's just not like you and whom you just... You just want to be like, good night, Lord Jesus. <laughs> that's who I'm talking about. Yeah, because that's who Jesus, Jesus was like, you know, what good is it? You know, you do love and good to someone whom you uh, get along with, right? What does it look like to be kind and generous to someone whom you disagree with? You know, that can go a long way with uh, with people and that shows the power of Jesus Christ because we were not like him and he was kind and generous and above all loving to us. Uh, so we can just remember uh, to, to live in that, uh, not in our own power, but by the Holy Spirit. Uh, God's got the rest. God's got the rest. Thank you so much for this time, Philip. Thank you, Thank yes. you for pointing us to Jesus. Yes. Reminding us that we can do this through following him and the really these basic truths of the gospel, even as we deal with very complex issues with humility and presence. So, yes, thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate each and every one of y'all and having the opportunity to speak into your lives. And Rusty, thank you for the invitation. Um well, thank you. Yes. You said, like you said, I'm sure you're tired. You're navigating a lot from a lot yeah. of directions, and we are humbled you take this hour to spend with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Talk to you later. All right, y'all take care. See ya. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. It's always on. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.